Welcome to another episode of Movies That Make Us. I'm Jake. I'm Tracy. And I'm Val. That's a little slow there, Tracy. Getting back in the groove of things here. Oh, am I on a log? I, I, I sounded like I hit it right after you. I must right be after. on a lag or something. Okay. Maybe, maybe it was just me. Maybe I'm on a lag. I, <laughs> I, I feel like we all might be lagging after uh <laughs> After our experience? Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, it was like a month ago, but we're still feeling... Yeah. Still feeling the effects. <laughs> that's true we are we are back from our 10k in california in disneyland uh we survived tracy and val hung back with me to make sure i didn't die which i appreciated and helped me get across the finish line we're a team we did yeah. this we did this we yes and was... tracy's feet hate him i feel like they're they're okay now there's we're back on speaking terms yeah, but because you haven't shared with what your plans are for April and then the rest of the year, and then <laughs> uh, that, they'd still hate you. They'd be like, "This guy's yeah. gonna kill us." Yeah. Well, I'm, the feet are are responsible for trying to get the rest of the body in shape. So, yeah, they <laughs> carry a big burden. At least in my case, they do. So oh, stop. <laughs> Tracy, I just feel like I'm not quite to the place yet where you can say I told you so. Right. Um, but I'm still running and I plan on running more with you. And I think all three of us plan on going back next year um, for the 10K. At least I know I am. Okay, um, awesome. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I think I'm almost to the point where I don't have to talk myself into running every day. Uh, um, not every day, but most days. Right. You go, yeah. And my brain is finally getting to the point where it's like, why do you do this? You hate doing this. Why are, <laughs> like, it's not saying that anymore. So that's uh -huh. good. Oh, that's I'm, good. So I'm starting to tackle like the brain because it's a mental game, right? Oh, totally. Like totally. you can have your body trained but if you mentally can't get yourself there, you can't do it. Well, and there's there's going to be days where your you like your body or your mind just doesn't want to do it. Like I did yeah. the I did the Thanksgiving half, and like three miles in, I was like, I'm just going to call an Uber and go back to the finish line because <laughs> today's just not the day. And I had to like force myself to get through with it. And then on the marathon route, I had a I had a fun day surprisingly. Yeah, all all said and done, so. You know, yeah, Jake, but it is such a, it is such a mental game. Yeah, and Jake, I think one of the most fun things about running the Disney 10K is like all the people that are trying to do the same thing and the yeah. fun outfits, and they're all running past us, and we're telling them like as we run past them, like you got this, you can do it. Like everybody wants everybody yeah. to make it, which was really uh -huh. cool. And sometimes I got a little teary about yeah. about it, you know. Uh when we came through the castle in Disneyland and we came across the lady who was struggling through it. And she said, and she was in tears when we got to her. Do you guys remember? And, and, you know, we thought she was just feeling discouraged or whatever. She said, no, this is, this is further than I made it last time. 
And so this was her second go around and she had been swept and didn't. And so, and she had a big knee brace on and she'd oh had gosh, some that knee brace was huge and stuff. And um, so that it was stuff like that, that was really inspiring that keeps you going because it's like, okay, we told her that she could do it. I guess I can do it too. So I better. <laughs> and she didn't have a team. She no, was just she was there. By, she just wanted to do it, which was so cool because like we had each other and we're like, okay, hey guys, you know, in the first bit, Tracy's like, okay, everybody runs. So, you know, we're running. He's like, okay, stop. You know, and you really like, you know, coached us through. Well, and, um, and Val was bopping to her he headset. I yeah. mean, I had, I had Spider-Verse so going on there and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and they have like all this Disney, like sparkly music happening. And I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> got to do what you got to do. Like, Valerie's, Valerie's like jogging slash hip hop dancing. It was fantastic. It you got to like do those, what you got to do. It's like one of those silent parties, <laughs> one of those silent dance parties, you know, where everybody's just got the <laughs> Except I, Val was the only one dancing. She was, you know, it was uh -huh. awesome. I felt cool. like it was a jazzercise <laughs> jog. You know, I was doing like the jazzercise yeah. like jog. Maybe that's my new class. Maybe I can put I'll go jazzercise. Yeah. Like that lady, that fancy walk lady video that's walking through the park. Have you yeah. yes video? She's all walking fast. Uh -huh. I'm with a group of people, but it's jazzercise jog. Yeah. Wait, I told um, my therapist I can't turn this hobby into a job, so... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll hand yeah, that off to right. someone else. There's a gift to whoever. Do with it what you will. <laughs> maybe it's just a well, maybe it's just a group that we all show up together to keep our goals, but I don't make any money off of that. Does that count? There you go. Okay. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I'll have I'll put it on it. meetup group. I'll put it on a meetup. There you go. As long group. as it's not a profit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hope, I'll tell yeah. you though, the 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 Disneyland 10K is so much fun because you spend so much time in the parks. Like you basically go through the entire entirety of both parks. Yeah. Um, the 10K route for Princess at Walt Disney World just got announced, and you do maybe a half a mile yeah. in two parks total. That's stupid. Like it, the rest of it is freeway. And I was like, that course is brutal, and people were really complaining about it online i'm like if i had signed up for that yeah i'd be, I'd they, be ticked. like i don't understand because florida has so much space to run whereas disneyland yeah. i could understand it because there's not a whole lot of space well, but the 10k inside it's, Disney it's, World, it's hard just because the the they start and stop at epcot and so to get anywhere else that's how you have to do it because they're so far apart from each other. Whereas with Disneyland and California Adventure, you're like right yeah. there. Um, but basically you come in by Tower of Terror, you go partway up Hollywood Boulevard, you turn and you're out. You're in the park for maybe four minutes and that's if you're walking. And then uh, in Magic Kingdom, you come in by um, Imagination, you go out, you go across the park over to Test Track and then basically you're backstage and you're out. And I was like, Whew. at least with the 5k you get to do all of the countries yeah. you get to do the the world showcase but tracy yeah. all i'm all i'm hearing right now is disney excuses um, <laughs> i be better, i disney. feel i feel like be better just because you've done it like that before doesn't yeah. mean that you have to do that again 
Yeah. So, and from what I understand, they used to do it at the, they used to start it at like the transportation center and go up through Magic Kingdom and mm-hmm. back and at least you get more park time. But yeah. well, it's weird. It's weird that it's the princess race weekend and they're not going through Magic Kingdom in all yeah. of the races. Yeah. Because you out would of think all of the be- parks, Magic Kingdom is the most princess themed. And this is the second busiest weekend after Marathon Weekend. Marathon Weekend, of course, because you have four races. But from what I hear, Princess, especially if you're trying to get in to get merchandise, like there have been reports of like fights over merchandise and stuff. Like it's it's that's that's one I've never done. I've never done the Princess races, but yeah. I look at the courses and I'm like, they just don't excite me. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the you know the one advantage that. Florida has is that they can do a marathon, right? Because they've got enough right. space where they can do that. But then one of the, the advantages that Disneyland has is for the shorter races, like the 5k and the 10k, you spend a lot more time in the park. Yeah. You're basically in the park. Almost parks. The time. Yeah. yeah. And that was the thing is but, we had the beginning outside of the park and then it was like, okay, just for me, it, it became easy to be like, okay, I just want to, get to the entrance of California adventure. And we came right. into the back of California adventure and then you're in the park and you're enjoying the atmosphere in the park or you can, I was really focused on just trying to keep going, but you, <laughs> you know, we went through the Hol- Hollywood uh, Boulevard area and then down through adventures campus. And, and it was just, that keeps you going. Right. And then mm-hmm. it, once we came out of California adventure we had one park done. I'm like, that's got to be a good chunk of the race. Now I just need to get across the Esplanade and then I'm in Disneyland. Yeah. And, you know, being able to go through the different lands in Disneyland. Cause we spent quite a bit of the race mm-hmm. inside the parks. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, then we were at like four miles or whatever after Disneyland. And we only had a couple miles left or less than two miles left. Yeah. yeah less than two by the time we got backstage. Yeah. And, and then it was like, okay, now I feel dumb if I don't finish because I've gone <laughs> Well, and it was fun too, because like we'd be like, okay, now we need to get to um, you know, Space Mountain, or we need to get over to yeah. the Matterhorn. And so you had like visuals, and you know about how long that distance is because we've all been to those parks. And yeah. so was, I can make it to the Matterhorn. Yeah, I, I think that's helpful than to just yeah. like run at a park because I don't care about that tree up there, but I right. sure do, I sure do care about seeing um uh San Francisco, you know. Yeah. The lights were like, oh, make it to the bridge. That was really cool, you know? And so, yeah, I think those pinpoints are cool. So, yeah, it was really neat. I think for me, one thing that I would do differently is I would probably get there the day before so you can check in and do what you need to do to check in, then run the race that morning and and use that day to recover and then Uh um, do the parks the next few days because – we did the park two days before and it was all day in the park. And then I did the race and then we had a park day Mm. after the race as well. And for me, where I'm at, that didn't work. (laughs) It was really, it was really hard. Well, especially because you had kids that wanted to keep going all over the place. Uh It wasn't like if Tracy and I were like, Oh, let's just sit down for a little bit and relax. You know, when you have kids there, they don't want to do that. They want to see everything. So you're at someone else's pace the entire time. Mm -hmm. Well, and, but then on the flip side of it, I was glad that we had done the two days previous because Thursday 
And then Friday until Friday afternoon, the lines were really super manageable. And it was really, I mean, it really, the crowds weren't, Disneyland's never not crowded now. You guys, everybody's got to realize that, but they weren't super bad. But then Friday evening and then Saturday, it was a totally different story. Yeah. All the locals were there. And that, so. I got to say though, crossing that line with you two is one of the funnest experiences. And that is a core memory. Like that is something I'm never going to forget. And the best thing, Jake, is we were talking as we're getting ready to cross. We're like, Val's like, okay, do we want to like run? And Jake's like, I'm not running. We're like, okay. And so then Val goes, do you want to hold hands? And okay. And so we're holding hands and we're starting to get there. And we're still probably like, what, 20 yards away? And all of a sudden, Jake just takes off. Just He's like, like we're going. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> it was kind of no, like no. a Disney ride when you don't expect it. I was, it was like, oh. <laughs> It was great. I, I wish they would have gotten a picture of my face as you were pulling because I was like, <laughs> yeah. it was so great. And then I'm trying, I'm like, you don't need to get teary as we're getting there. And then I look over and both of you guys are. So I'm like, okay, we can all cry. Well, the photographer at the finish line loved it because he took, I don't know, 20, 100 pictures of us as we came across and we're hugging and everything. With and the maybe lady awesome. right in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, that one was fun with the lady. Right? <laughs> well, and there were a lot of pictures in the park where Jake and I had pictures together, but Val was off doing her headphone dance, so she didn't notice that there was a photographer. So we didn't get as many with Val in the park. We got a few. But Val Val was because of her bopping and dancing, and she was able to go off to the side and get some pictures of she a, got a couple of other that. things, Yeah, um, which is another reason why if I do it again, I want to be better and be able to – because – that was the, the unfortunate thing, you know, they had character meet and greets and things like that. And I knew I just didn't have the yeah. time to make that happen. Well, and it's, it's hard too. Cause in Florida they have the, they have a tiered system. And so it's like, you have waves within the corral. And I don't know if it's because there wasn't as many people, but like they launched our entire corral all at once. So we didn't have much of a buffer to begin with. Yeah. Whereas I was counting on, we'd have a couple of tiers behind us and they've launched the tiers like every three minutes or so. So I'm like, we'll probably have nine or 10 minutes buffer time. So we could do some of those things and nope, it was just go. I kind of want to do the 5k so that we can like have a little fun and get some pictures and then do the 10k and be like all business. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Like, you know, the 5k we're all, let's get pictures with things and we know we can do it. And then the 10k, you know, it's like, I love you guys, but I'm going. I'm setting a personal oh, record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but we made it. It was fun. Yeah, it was we fun. Got the metal thank, you, up. thank you to everybody who donated, helping us raise money for American Cancer Society. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. And Our team, the Disneyland team, uh, raised over $15,000. Nice. Or, or no, $150. 50. I was going to say, I thought it was way more, but like more than either way. <laughs> yeah. Or no, I think it was 115. That's what it was. Excuse me. Yeah. It was 115,000 with all the Jeez, Tracy, yeah. could you Numbers get are not my strong point. <laughs> Just kidding. You have a lot. Like you <laughs> ran a million races. You've raised money for like 70 different places. <laughs> it's hard because the, the 150,000 is how many miles Tracy ran that month. And then... <laughs> 
This is how much dollars were raised. It's it's a lot of numbers to keep straight, and they're yeah, all yeah. way larger than they should. And be. I'm not a numbers guy, so you know. Yeah, uh, not way larger than they should be. We I'm glad that we raised what we did for American yes. Society. Yeah, yeah. So, every dollar is awesome. So thank yeah. you. And so we're going to go from the happiest place on earth. <laughs> To the second happiest place on earth, and that would be a boarding school in the 1970s where you're there over the holiday break. Okay, so right off the bat, though, I want to ask a question before we get into the movie. Okay. Is this a movie that happens during Christmas, or is this a Christmas movie? That's a good question. So, Like Die Hard, is it a movie that happens during Christmas? the holiday season or Christmas, or is it a Christmas movie? We're going to put that aside and not argue about that because we've done it, but this is uh-huh. the same kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So if, in my opinion, if you're, if you're getting into it, I think this is a movie that happens at Christmas time. And I think the reason it happens at Christmas time has nothing to do with it being Christmas, but they needed a time where there would be a reason why these kids didn't go home with everybody else. And they couldn't do it at the end of the school year and they couldn't do it you know, when it's just a couple of days break, because I think everybody stays for that. So they had to find a time that made sense and the holiday break is what makes sense. I also think that yeah, they I mean, had to give, they needed also with the story, a reason for uh, Giamani's character to have to socialize with other people. And the holidays yeah. is kind of a time when people are forced to socialize with people, even if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I will say this. I will probably put this into a, a rotation of movies that I would watch over the holidays. Like yeah. this, I could see fitting. It's not necessarily a holiday, a Christmas movie, but I, no. I will probably slot this in just because I really enjoy it and it fits the, the time. Well, I think with a lot of movies that, in my opinion, and, and everybody's going to have their own definition for what a Christmas movie is, and that's fine. But in my opinion, the movies that, that are happening at Christmas time... You can watch them at Christmas. I think it fits. It, it totally putting it in your rotation makes sense. But I could put this movie on in July as well, and it wouldn't feel out of place in July for me. Whereas I'm not going to watch Home Alone except at Christmas Elf. time because yeah. it's only yeah. oh, Christmas. I can watch Elf all the time. <laughs> but I would say, Jake, you're on to something because I think this movie is a good movie to watch in July because as you're watching this movie. You're freezing your butt off. At least I was because it's so cold there. And then it was cold in the theater and I've got my coat on and I'm just like, there is no way out of me seeing how cold this is. And then being in here and it's winter time, like just be, make sure if you're watching it at home that you get your blankets ready. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes you feel cold because of how cold it is there. Yeah. And and as, since we live in Utah, we know what snow is and how it works. And so often in movies, you're like, that's so not real. Yeah. And this is legit snow. Like they filmed it in the, the wintertime in January. And then they would use snow machines to kind of like fill in any gaps. But they purposely uh, waited until January to shoot this yeah. thing. because Everybody on that set was freezing their toes off. Yeah. yeah. And you can tell. Well, <laughs> well, and then when they say they're turning the heat off and most of the buildings in the school yeah. and everything. And it, it just gets added, worse. Yeah. But it just mentally adds to the coldness. 
Right. The air conditioner goes on in the theater, and I'm like, well, this is not a 3D This I don't have to have all the sensory like aspects of this film. <laughs> they wanted you to be immersed in the experience, so they said, let's We're all in there with our mittens, and you can see our breath. <laughs> well, it's because there's not a lot of action for the D-Box seats, so that they had to bring in oh my the goodness. cold air in order to, yeah. Stupid D-Box seats. <laughs> so, Let's let's get in really quick to the cast because as we were um, putting together, we added a new category this year for the Utah Film Critic Association, and one of the categories was ensemble cast. And uh -huh. this ensemble cast, from Paul Giamatti to Dominic Sessa to uh, Divine Joy Rudolph to Carrie Preston, even which we don't see her um, on, in movies a lot because she's more of a television series person like everyone in this film to me okay. brought something to the film even yeah. if they were only on screen you know like some of the some of the boys at the school we only saw them for maybe the first yeah. you know 10 minutes 15 minutes of the movie right. but it all made sense uh -huh. right mm -hmm. i i think that was i agree i think one of the things that i was kind of disappointed in initially and then as the movie went on it didn't bother me as much but was that all of the boys except for him got to leave and so that was the end of the story of the boys together because at first i was like oh i thought this was going to be just him and paul giamatti oh no it looks like it's going to be this group of boys and there could be some interesting stories and inter interactions that happen there and then they left and i was like oh that's kind of a bummer but then the movie was great so it didn't bother me yeah <laughs> yeah it added it added to the fact that that at the beginning of the movie, he was just this bratty, pompous kid. Like, I'm going to be going and doing this thing and you guys can all blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then you had, you know, like the, the Mormon kid from Utah. You had, you know, the the Asian kid that his family lives all the way on the other side of the world. You uh -huh. know, and then you've got this kid that, um, you know, we find out that his dad can fly a freaking helicopter in just and pick them the, up. The schoolyard, Yeah. Yeah, but the kid that had been gloating the whole time, our main character, his mom decided that she wanted to go and be selfish in her new life. And that's real. Like, that's yeah. a real story. But for him, he had never been put in that situation before. And he felt very alone. And you well, could feel how abandoned and alone he felt. But then also that the the boys around him, his peers, it was also like humiliation at the same yeah. time. It was yeah. like, I felt all of it. Well, the, the boy who plays Tully, this was his first film. Like to find a kid who can pull up, like this kid has to go toe to toe with Paul Giamatti. Yeah. <clears throat> like that is a tough ask. And he more than holds his own. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Like somebody that's got to hold their own against another incredible actor. And I think that you can definitely see that from time to time when someone just doesn't have the chops to hang with them. But right. I also think that really good actors like Paul Giamatti make their, they make room, they, yeah. they, they elevate them and help oh, them sure. and, and make them look good too. I mean, it's, and it's I a, think it's a, it's a dance. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, I, and, and that's not taking anything away from, from totally and, and the actor, but I'm just saying, I think that's something that Paul Giamatti can do is, yeah. I, well, that says a lot about both of them as actors is because I'm sure when this kid 
is chosen for this part. And he's like, I'm going to be acting with John, you know, Paul Giamatti. And the fact that they worked so well together, it wasn't mm -hmm. like, here's this character and here's this character. It was, yeah. it was so well, seamless when they were in scenes. And so, you know, that they had to have a good relationship off camera to be able to do this on camera scenes. Like we've seen it yeah. before where they didn't have it off camera. Like you would never know in Dirty Dancing that they freaking hated each other. Right. But right. so I'm, you know, there are well, times like then, that, but I don't see that here. You, and then you you add in Mary and the three of them have to yeah. move in together. And but I'm uh, sorry that I um, said her name wrong. It's Devine, not Devine. Oh, Devine. Okay. It's Devine. Um, and uh, she is just incredible. And she's, she's been very, very nominated good. for this part. I love it. Um, I think she's won a couple of awards for this part. And it's, again, I, I, I've said it on the show before. Last year was the year of these quiet, mm -hmm. well-made, well-written, well-acted mm -hmm. movies that were not these big, epic, you right. know, like almost all the movies that I loved last year were these kind of quiet films, mm -hmm. you know, that were just so smart and the acting was so good. And, yeah. you know, I, I, the first one, I, when I kind of walked out of the film and I'm trying to think about what I wanted to say about this, I had to let it settle in. Cause I'm like, I mean, I have kind of seen this movie before, like let's point, you know, it, at this yeah. film where you've got you've got kind of this mentor between a man and a and a younger man or like dead poet society where you've got this teacher and it's you know it's kind of in this situation but in both of those situations you have you know the main mentor character wants to be in the situation right, right. and wants to be a positive presence you know even with good goodwill hunting he he kind of, you know, pushes it to the edge, but Paul Giamatti's character, he does not want to be there. <laughs> he does not want to, he just wants to be in his office, smoking his pipe, like mm -hmm. not talking to people, mm -hmm. you know, he does not want to be a part of it. And so what I loved about that is they both didn't want to be there. And then they come together and they're both better humans by the end of the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And I like how they, they stage that, you know, in the beginning where he gets stuck with having to be there and babysit over the holidays. And, and you find out that, you know, the headmaster at the school is like, hates him and wants, he's like looking for an excuse to get rid of him. Yeah. Because he put him through an ordeal with a Senator's son that he was like, I, I yeah. failed him because he didn't do anything. Like, yeah. I tell you he didn't he has standards oh my I, gosh <laughs> yeah no he is penis cancer in human form which yes. is one of the best insults i have ever heard like when i heard that in the theater i busted out laughing i'm like oh my <laughs> there were some good little zingers that he just oh. kind of you know calling yeah. calling people troglodytes and i mean it's yeah. just the, the script in this movie is just so good it's so quotable the the line about your brain's a human cesspool and it's a shallow one at that. Um, yeah. The line about how if they find out you wet the bed, they'll crucify you. And that'll be really ironic because you're Buddhist. I mean, it's just little <laughs> things like that where I was just like, oh man, this writing yeah. is so good. The dialogue was was really, really good. And and Paul Giamatti does a good job of pulling off those zingers that are elevated, like that are 
Like you wouldn't say it in normal. I wouldn't because uh-huh. I don't, I'm not that smart, but you can tell he's educated, well-read, right. But also still very snarky. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to be devil's advocate for a minute. Okay? okay. Because I love Paul Giamatti, but as I'm watching this film and as people are saying how much they love this film and he is being um, nominated for all these awards and I'm kind of having an issue with some other actors that I feel have done the same roles before. I do feel like Paul Giamatti is really good at being like this grumpy kind of person that doesn't really want to be social with people. These are role. This is a role. This is a type of person that he has played before. Not exactly, sure. you know, there, but I mean, if we look at his past roles, he does very, very well in this get off my lawn kind of character. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I would agree. But at the same time, this is such an interesting character to me and he does so well with it. And you just like, I mean, like you could easily dislike this person, but even at the beginning when he's at his grumpiest, you still, there's still something about him that kind of draws you in. And the thing I think is really interesting too, is like, he does so much with, with facial expressions. Like he is one of the best at being able to, you immediately know what's happening just by what's happening here. He doesn't have to say a word. And the thing I don't know how he did the eye thing. Like, and he won't tell. He won't say. (laughs) A magician doesn't give up his secrets. Right, right. And so it's like, so if you're trying to like, if you're making your eye go funky and deliver lines and give impassioned moments, you know, there there are times where he's got to be mean and snarky. And there's other times where like when, when when the kid says, you realize that none of the teachers like you right? You should realize that. And there's just kind of this two second shot of his face. And you can see like this kind of shock and anger and yet resignation and acceptance. And it's just, I don't know, there's something about what he did in this particular role. I think it's one of the best, if not the best um, acting jobs this year, personally. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I agree, Val, he's, he's done a role similar to this before, but I also feel like because he's good at it, that's why he was able to be so good at it in this yeah. and do so much better. And, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, Michael Jordan was really good at basketball before he won the MVP. And that was like, we'd seen it before, but then he won the MVP and it made sense. I don't know. I don't know that Paul Giamatti wins here. I don't know. I don't think he does. I don't, I don't I think, think he does either, but I just want to, I know some people are saying that that was one of my, first reactions but then like you because sometimes this is there's a lot of movies last year and the year before where i have to let a movie kind of sit and breathe and this one there's so much depth that you don't expect Mm -hmm. when you Mm -hmm. when you start watching it right you're like okay this is going to be you know another kind of film where you have a mentor and you have a kid and then you know and then when you get into it and you see all of these different characters that are tying together this this trope. I want I don't know if it's trope, but stereotypical school that yeah. if you look at the school from the surface, they're trying to make everything look good and and everything uh-huh. moves together. And then when you see Paul's 
character and you see the kid and you see the lunch lady and you see all of these other misfits that well, people don't want to pay attention to. They don't want to talk about, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I think the Dean wants to get rid of him is because he doesn't fit in the picture that right. he wants the school to be right. Well, and so he tells him, stop talking about the other Dean. That's not this school anymore. And he, you know, so I love all of these little misfits that come together to make this school what it is under the surface. Well, and it's, it's a prep academy that's going to be sending these kids to Harvard and to Yale. Yeah. And these are future senators and these mm -hmm. are future judges and these are future doctors. But these kids aren't there yet and they are kids. And so you have the kids who are smoking marijuana and they are fighting with each other and they are misfits and they don't want to study and they don't want to, they, they're just like every other kid, but they're expected to be Martin yeah. men, you know? And yeah. so I think that that's an interesting thing too, as to how these kids are supposed to be and how they're supposed to fit into society and how they actually are. Yeah. Well, and I think Paul, and just to let you know, if you haven't seen the film, Paul Giamatti is Paul also in the movie. Right. Um, I'm not just like, oh, I know Paul. But Paul, he is one of the only, if not the only, because we don't really meet a lot of the other teachers, except for when they're all sitting at, you know, lunch or breakfast in the, in the, uh, the commissary. I don't know. Right. Um, is that he seems to be the only professor or teacher there that couldn't give two craps about whether these, who these um, kids' parents are, right? He's like, this is the curriculum. You either come to class and you pass or you don't. Like, I don't care. And the other teachers seem to be kind of flowing along with, do I get along with you? Does, you know, the dean like me? Do the parents like me? Again, it's he's like the, he's the misfit in this group of this school has something to live up to and and it needs to stay on that path of mm -hmm. living up to that. And if these kids can't cut it, then they don't cut it. Yeah. But I think somewhere along the way, he goes from being someone who's caring about the standards to caring so much about the standards that he doesn't care about the students either. Yeah. I, don't yeah. think he, I don't think until this experience, he even realized mm -hmm. that he had hit that point. Yeah. Yeah. But but totally brings him kind of back and realizing you got to do both. Care about the standards. Yeah. Care about the standards because you care about the students and you want them to be successful and you want them to achieve. But I think when we see him at the beginning, not only does he not care about who they are, he doesn't really care about them. He doesn't, <laughs> he care about anything. doesn't really care about anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then you get so we get um, Angus that comes into the picture, which is our main character. And there are so many times in the first half of that film where I just wanted to smack that kid. Yeah. Like, you know, when he's running through the school and then he freaking breaks oh. his arm. And then he tells, like, he makes it seem like all the things that are going wrong during this break are Paul's fault. And I'm like, you, this happened to you because of you. Like, I just wanted oh. to smack this kid. He gives the line when they're in the, uh, when they're in the hospital. And he's like, I'm the one who could lose an arm here. Like, he's like talking about how it's going to like get amputated. Like, he's acting like it's going to get amputated. You know, <laughs> like a dislocated shoulder. 
Like, and he's well, like, you know, I'm doing you a favor. Like, <laughs> like you say that you're, you know, that you're my dad. This is a favor to you. And it yeah. really, like, if you think about it, it is because if they had to call his parents, who's oh. going to get in trouble here? Not yeah. the kid. Like yeah. he's going to get in trouble. He's well, going to lose his job. He's going to not be a teacher again. And I, I read an, I read an interview with Alexander Payne, the director. And he said during that chase scene, the the kid uh, Dominic is that his name? Yeah. Um, said, "Hey, I should do a cartwheel," and he was like, "Can you do a cartwheel?" And so he did a cartwheel, and they're like, "All right, let's do the cartwheel." So he said, "That's when they learned this kid was super athletic," and so then when they do the pommel horse scene in the gym, and and that's the cross the Rubicon, they had to do it nine times because the first eight times he did it too gracefully. And they were like, no, you have to make it look like you're out of control. And he couldn't, like his body couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. Like when you know how to do something to do it, yeah. like you don't know how to do it. Well, you practice all that athletic stuff and everything. Your body just responds. like instinct. Right, exactly. So he's like, so on the ninth take, when he looks like he's kind of flipping over the top of his head, we're like, okay, we got it. We're good. Um, the other thing I thought was really interesting with this one too, in this interview is he said that they didn't shoot a lot of coverage. Like they didn't do a lot of insurance shots. So a lot of times you'll do a shot, like a long shot, and then you'll do the scene again. You'll do it in medium shots, and then you'll do it again in a close-up shot. Yeah. And, and and Alexander Payne was like, I knew what I wanted, and I was going to get it. And once we got it, we moved on. There's no point in, in doing that, which I thought was really great. Maybe he um, needs to have a little, like, mentorship with Snyder. Yes. And Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> stop letting him make movies. That's what, <laughs> you know. I'm, I think I'm for him. I I think I'm pretty much done with Snyder. I watched Rebel Moon and it was awful. It was beautiful though, right? It was the most beautiful, I awful movie. Was that beautiful. I thought yeah. some of the cinematography was great, but anyway. So anyway. one of my favorite. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. Speaking of cinematography, so this movie feels like it was filmed in the 70s, right? It does. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. It looks and feels like it was made in 1971 where the movie was set. And I was reading about this and they said they there was no way they could shoot on film. They were like, it just in this day and age, it's just too difficult to find it's too a developer expensive. in a lab yeah. and it's too expensive. And they didn't have a huge budget anyway. And so they shot this digitally. Mm -hmm. But what they did is they shot it with all these lenses that you, you would have used in the 70s. And Alexander Payne, the director, spoke with the cinematographer and they both agreed there was not going to be any steady cam. There wasn't going to be anything that wouldn't have been used back in the 70s. And so he's like, we just set things up on a tripod. We set it up on a dolly. We would do optical zooms. And then they did all of the stuff in post-production um, with the color grading and kind of draining a little bit of the color out of it because digital gives everything so sharp. Yeah, they had to put some of that auto, uh, the the film grain in. They actually had to write an algorithm to make the film grain look like it should look like. Um, wow. They added a flutter because when you run film through a projector, the mm -hmm. film is vibrating, and so they had to add that into it. And it's just the steps that they went through to get it um, wow. is just is just fantastic to me. And the the way they lit it too, like he's like, we had to light it as if it was nineteen seventy light kits and it would have been a low budget movie back in the 70s so they didn't have big arc lights so they had these tiny little pieces and they had to use a lot of natural light and that i think and 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 the fact that you had long monologues and long dialogue scenes back and forth with the actors 
is mm-hmm. also kind of a throwback. We don't get that as much yeah. anymore. We have five minutes of dialogue running through. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's what, to me, elevated the film, you know, and I'll, not knowing all of the background behind it, but it was clear that they were shooting right. it to look like it was made in the 70s. And that's what elevated the film to being, like feeling like it was in the 70s more than just, okay, we got all the costumes and they're all dressed like they're in the 70s, yeah. but we're going to shoot in 4K. It's going to look amazing. It's going to, you know, I, I think of like Stranger Things, for example. I know that's the uh-huh. 80s before anybody comments, but that's in the 80s on right. Netflix, but they, it's all HD. It, it looks really good. And so while you're, it's good enough to say, okay, I feel like they're in the 80s, but it also feels a lot like it's just, people from today dressed playing. in costumes and playing yes. people from the 80s and this did not feel like that like you could almost watch it side by side with movies made from that time period and it would feel yeah. very similar yeah, yeah when and, they were the christmas party you really feel it because when they yeah. walk into oh, yeah. that house i'm like this is my house in colorado we had you know a sound system like that that takes mm-hmm. up the whole wall we had uh-huh. these couches we had these hors d'oeuvre tray you know like anytime you'd throw like my parents would throw a new year's eve or a christmas party like it to me i could smell that house right <laughs> I, I could feel that yeah. couch yeah. i you know i just really that was so nostalgic um for me uh, and I just thought that it's those little nuances, those little details that they did. And that's really the moment where you got to jump inside Mary's world a little bit. Yeah. And I loved it because in the beginning, you know, she's a cook, she's in there, she's cooking for these kids every day. We understand the character. There is no question about, you know, what's going on there. And right. then we kind of see her in her little apartment and she's just in there relaxing in, you know, her, her house dress, you know, Mm -hmm. and watching TV and just like anybody else, just relaxing. Right. (laughs) And then we start learning more about her and about her son and how she only worked there so that her son could get this education that otherwise at that time, he wouldn't have been admitted nope. to that school at all. No and no that way. school used her as a checking off point. And when we see that the most is when they make her sit at the front row in the church. You have her son's picture up there and uh-huh. she's just sitting there like, I am something they're checking off here. Like yeah. you you can see in her face, you know, they didn't treat her son like he was a part of the team when he was there, but now he's this hero. She's usually in the background in this back room where nobody sees her. And now Mm -hmm. they're putting her in the front row. And I could just feel the different shades of sadness in her just by her whole demeanor, which I just thought you are good. Like she was so good. Just so good. Yeah. The other scene that I love with her is at the end, um, and it's such a simple scene when when Paul Giamatti has gone into the headmaster's office and the kid is sitting there, totally sitting there by himself and she walks by and it's a wide shot. And and this mm-hmm. is why I loved this film so much is and it is such a throwback. This took me back to my film school days because we used to have to shoot a, an entire scene from one. You had to have all this scene happen from one angle, one shot. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there and well, they're, we're following her, the camera pans. We see him, she stops, 
She walks over. He says, I'm going to get thrown out of school. I'm going to go to military school. She sits down by him and the camera doesn't change angles. It doesn't zoom. It just lets it happen. Mm -hmm. And she just slowly holds out her hand mm -hmm. on the bench. And then he takes her hand and we just linger for a few seconds. And then we go into Paul Giamatti meeting yeah. the family and that whole scene develops. But it says so much about that character where she just quietly sits down. She doesn't hug him. She doesn't make a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. She just puts her hand down and he takes it. And that mm -hmm. is so good. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yep. One of my favorite, favorite so uh, shots in the movie is that scene. I mean, it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, you get a little teary. Um, and, and I like it too, because like I said, like Val said, it was such a simple movie. There's not a moment in this film where you're like, it, there's not a moment where you're like gonna, it, I, I gotta imagine it was hard to market this film because there's not a whole lot where you could be like, this is a feel good. I mean, it is, but it's, but I mean, it, you get yeah, a shot of Paul Giamatti's face when the kid flies over the, the pommel horse. That was kind of the iconic shot, but you yeah. don't have that really big, Oscar moment, you know, you don't yeah, have it's not an there. epic movie made for the Oscars. It's not right. it's in any means a not a simple movie. movie. It is right. like I say, it's a quiet film because that's so intricate in how it weaves these stories together, and we still understand them because we have all seen movies where there's too many character stories, and we're like, come on, focus mm -hmm. on one because there's too much going on. But each right. character that it dives into, and it dives into at least three main stories, because even when, you know, we get to um, the boy, he, we see this side of it, and then we jump into his father's side, which we don't right. even see that coming, because right. he makes us feel the whole time that his father is dead. Right. Yeah. And the fact that he has to put that facade on, because his mother and him do not want people to know where his dad is because it's all about looks. Just, it's right. all about who you are, what's attached to you and, and everything. And then when all he wants to do is go see his dad. And this is a different side of this character that we see because he has this tough shell the whole time. And then we, we find out why. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love how Paul's character reacts to what's going on here and really sticks by his side yeah. um, in this moment. And then we, you know, the mom comes in and she's angry and we're all so, the audience is so angry at her yeah. right, for, for doing this situation that everything comes together in this moment. Um, and it's it just, yeah, it was very well thought out and it's so intricate and so just so many layers and, here. And and that scene where he, he goes to his dad and he's saying, Hey dad, I'm, I'm doing good in school. I'm keeping my grades up. I'm going to be on the tennis team, you know, and he's talking about all these things and all he wants is like this acknowledgement from his father. And then his dad looks at him and says, I think they're putting something into my food. And then they yeah. cut to that kid's face and that, yeah. That moment, I was like, yeah. well, and, and it's interesting, too, that when the mom does come and she's furious that they went and visited the father, you know, it, it she makes the comment in there like, well, now now he's expecting people to come visit him. Right. Right. And that kind of leads to Paul, that that's the change in him where it's like, OK, like and. This kid, he realizes this kid's got nothing going for him. Nobody's yeah. in his corner. 
Right. So he decides to be in his corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not let this opportunity at the school pass him by. Yeah. And that, that final shot. And again, it's like, you could have had this big shouting match and instead it's this quiet um, anger from Giamatti where he's like, well, if, it's not anger at the mom. He's well, I mean, he is, but he's just like, Hey, this was my idea. So on and so mm-hmm. forth. And then when he's leaving and the principal's like, you know, this is all on you. I didn't do this. And he calls him human penis cancer. And and then he leaves. But even at the end, he just takes the guy's bottle of his prized alcohol. I love that so drink it. He swishes his mouth with it and spits it out and drives away. And that's the end of the movie. I'm like, bravo. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, it, and it is the kind of ending that this movie needs too, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's enough closure to that experience and what happened. And you see that he loses his job because of mm-hmm. it. And, and the kid's going to stay at the school. But then you don't get anything after that. Yeah. Right? Which is okay. and Because mm-hmm. you know he's going gonna to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he, you know, he was exploring all of these places in this history in maps and in books and in paper. And right. he gets asked like, but have you gone to any of these places? Uh-huh. You know? And so everybody gets to have their own thought at the end of movie, what he's going to be doing. And in my mind, I hope that he's going to go see where all the history happened. Like that's yeah, yeah. what I want him to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, I like it when you have a movie that gives you enough character in en- that you care about, these people that then if they leave you with that open ending, you feel complete because sometimes we'll get a movie and the director's like, well, I wanted to leave it to your interpretation. Okay. But I don't have enough about this character that I don't care. I don't care about it because you didn't give me enough. And with these characters, like I can think about where this boy is going to go and what he's going to be doing. And I can think about where Mary you know, where she's going to be the next year, you know, and I can think about Paul. It's, and it doesn't need to be the same thing that you think about, but leaving it for interpretation when you're given enough is such a good, satisfying feeling for an audience. Well, and it might be the most throwback thing about this movie, honestly, because we either get filmmakers that try to impersonate that, like you said, Val, where they they we're going to leave it up to your interpretation. Well, you didn't really give me enough to interpret anything. I don't yeah. know what you want me to right. interpret. You or, ran out of a budget. Or <laughs> And they're like, don't worry. Holdovers two is coming next winter and yeah. we're going to continue the story. Or, you know, we're giving you a, a, a Netflix series or a Paramount plus series yeah. where you can follow the adventures of these boys at the school. That's right. usually what happens anymore today. Right. Um, sometimes the story or, just ends ends. And yeah. you write the next chapter in your mind. Yeah. yeah, or else you have to read the novelization and then you've got to read the comic book yeah. and then you've got to see, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's Where a complete thought through. from beginning to end. It yeah. is a complete thought that's a well-made movie. And I remember um, coming out of this film and saying this was, there was nothing overly spectacular about the film. Mm-hmm. It was a well-made well-written, well-acted movie. And, and one of, uh, you know, another critic was like that. I think we're letting, we're hitting a low bar if all we're shooting for is a well-made movie. And I said, no, mm-hmm. you know, I remember thinking that about a uh, tender bar. It was such yeah. a smart, heartfelt 
well-made movie with good characters, with a smart script. I don't need, like, it's fun to have movies where there's these intricate stories that you're going up and down and trying to figure them out. But sometimes I just want a movie that tells me a full story that I yeah. can sit and enjoy that gives me more than I thought it was going to give me in terms to story, in terms to, you know, acting, directing, like this is a full box wrapped up uh -huh. in a bow uh -huh. movie. I wouldn't take well, anything out of it. Like most movies, I'm like, oh, you can right. take like 15 minutes out. I don't, this scene, they didn't need that. I don't feel that about this movie at all. And, and, and I love the fact it's two hours and 15 minutes. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Yeah, no. it, gets, it, it doesn't it gets, feel like two hours, but it doesn't feel like two hours. And I'm with you, Val. There's not a scene that I would cut. Everything makes sense, and everything mm -hmm. leads to the next scene and leads to the proposal. Anyway, leading you to the end of the film, like even the scene where they're at the 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 bookstore and the prostitute offers him a candy cane. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's even that. so great, right? So great. Yeah. He's like. If you want to go get a candy cane, I'll wait here. You know, it's just the little moments that add to that characterization and the humanity of the film. Yeah. Thinking about what you said, Val, I, I'm thinking there are some movies that to me are like a, a, a hamburger, and there are different levels of hamburgers. But I know that's going to be like your Marvel movies, or it's going to be your like Star Wars. But I enjoy them; they're great. But they're they're like the popcorn eye candy type of movie, and they still have some substance. You know, there's a difference between a McDonald's hamburger and a Five Guys hamburger, right? Right, right. But then if I want to go out for a good meal and I want to get a steak, I, I have a different expectation for what that's going to be. And seeing the previews for this, I'm like, that's going to be a steak. That is going to be, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to feel satisfied. It's going to be a different experience than having a burger, but I'm, I'm still going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it on a different level. Yeah. yeah. And then there are the movies that you sit down and they bring you the plate yeah. You're like, I don't even recognize what this food is or how I'm supposed to start or dig in. Was, and I think yeah, that was tenant for me. Yeah. Like tenant, I looked at it and I'm like, I should love this movie. I should love what you are presenting me. And instead I'm like, I don't. Well, you can go see it again. Yeah. They're well, re-releasing it in theaters. Um, yeah, I, it is. I didn't. So I really try and stay away from. You stay figuring away from out, trailers. And... I, I, I post a trailer, but I usually don't watch them unless it's going to be like a Marvel movie. However, um, I didn't watch anything about, well, I watched a little bit about Madam Web and I'm not looking forward to watching that I'm on so Monday. Sorry. Um, uh, but, but I do try and stay away from it. So the only thing I knew about this movie is that it looked cold and Paul Giamatti was in it. That's the only thing <laughs> I knew. And so I didn't go in with any expectations except for the fact that I really love Paul Giamatti. Um, right. so I knew it was going to, I knew it was going to taste good, Jake. I just didn't know what level, um, yeah. that was going to be right. And that was for a lot of films. I would love to kind of have a, a month of these quiet movies that came out last year because I would love to talk about Past Lives, which was another oh, was beautiful so and, and quiet film that was intricate and smart and broke some barriers in that type of storyline. I would love to talk about You Hurt My Feelings. It's another one that's super smart, that wasn't loud, that was one of my favorites last year. And then American Fiction was that as well. These are all movies that don't have explosions, that don't right. have <laughs> these big stars that come in. Because as much as Paul Giamatti is well-liked, 
It's not like he's, he's a Robert Downey Jr. or yeah, he's a he's a cult favorite, right? right he's yeah. one of those people that if you're in a you know, oh, I in, like him. I yeah, like him, and oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and most of the time he's a supporting actor character. The same with right. Jeffrey Wright in you know American fiction, mm-hmm. and and so the I just loved this year. There were some epics. I I enjoyed Oppenheimer, and that was an epic film made in a certain way. Um, it, it, this big kind of grand movie that I think was also smart. Um, you know, and then you have Barbie, which is this big flashy movie that was also well-written, right? But that's going to pull people. When you say you've got Barbie and you've got Oppenheimer and you've got, you know, these big movies, but these other films that are being recognized that don't have any of that, that are so smart and well-made, I love the fact that they're being recognized this year. Like, I don't think you hurt my feelings went very far as far as award season goes, but the fact that past lives, um, Mm -hmm. the holdovers and American fiction are in there um, made me really, really happy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a chance really that Giamatti will win. I think that's pretty much a lock for either Killian Murphy or Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Downey Jr. But um, if this doesn't win screenplay, I'm going to be so upset. Because yeah. this is one of the best screenplays of the year for me, if not yeah. the best. I don't think it will, but yeah. And and Robert Downey Jr. and Killian are both in two different categories. Oh, that's right. Excuse me. You're yeah. right. So both yeah, of thinking, them can I'm win. Ryan Gosling and, and Robert Downey. Uh, we could we could talk about the Oscars and Barbie, but we probably we should. will we will have an Oscar episode, we'll whether see. you like it or not, Jake. Well, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't need. I was thinking as you were talking about Madam Web, I think that would be like gas station food if we're talking about the food. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's the hot dog. That's the hot dog that's been on the roller. How you got here and why you're making the decision to ingest this, but you're hoping it will just pass through as quickly as possible and you'll move on from the experience. This is the thing. I I, possible. I think it's going to be a hot pocket going in and coming out. That's what I think it's going to (laughs) be. Because this is the thing I want to warn you because we're almost done with our episode, but I know that it opens on Wednesday, which is Valentine's Day, is that (laughs) today, today, Monday, today is when us critics get to see it. Yeah. Wednesday is when it comes out and we can't even put a review up until Wednesday morning. So it's it's a sticky, overburnt, overspicy hot pocket and it's going to hurt going in and hurt coming out. It, and the marketing materials, the marketing materials have zero effort put into them. It's Dakota Johnson staring blankly into the distance, and then they put a web around her. And that is and all it makes me so sad because you know how much I love the web movies, but they oh, can't yeah. even call they can't even call uh-huh. Spider-Man Spider-Man in this movie. And yeah. he and he his dark Spider-Man character has existed for a long time, right? Uh-huh. But I don't think they can even call him by that name because of the contract that Sony has with Disney right now. Why you're even making a movie about Madam Web is just beyond me. Like, who greenlit this? (laughs) I don't know. Like, that's the thing is you've got to, number one, the movie's got to be really, really good. If you're going to take a risk. I mean, I'm thinking like Guardians of the Galaxy is a really good example to me of characters that if you told me they were going to make a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I'd be like, nobody's interested in a talking raccoon and tree. Like, nobody. But it was a good movie, right? And it was marketed well, and it got people to see it. And I'm glad they made the movie, right? 
that's what you got to do. Madam Web is one of those characters, even more than Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's like nobody knows who Madam Web is unless you're like a deep Spider-Man comic book and fan. Even then, are you a and big that, Madam Web fan? But this no. is the thing. I love it, and I, I talk about this a lot. I love it when a studio is going to have the balls to give us something that we don't know we need, okay? And this, I think, is a good movie on paper, and they're checking a box with all these female leads and a female um, superhero, right? But then they put it together and realized what a smoking pile it was. So they decide, okay, well, it's made. We're going to throw it into a time of year where nobody cares about these films on Valentine's Day when people are going to watch the romantic movies. So if it doesn't make it, we can blame it on that. The yeah, Warner Brothers would have just bolted it. <sighs> would they have... I don't, yeah, like, I don't think they would that. have. I think they've put out a lot oh. of pieces of poo. But well, I oh, may be sure, wrong. But... This is a thing. I may be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I will be the first person to say, you know what? Good, good job, guys. Good job. But I also think they may have vaulted it, except for last year, they had to stop making a lot of the movies that they wanted to come out this year because of the strike. Oh. This movie was already made, so they threw it in a hole that was empty. They're, they're just throwing every every spider-man related villain at all possible that they have access to throwing it on the screen to try and make money that's all sony's doing here mm-hmm. sony you're so sucky um. <laughs> except for when it comes to spider-verse yeah yeah that's the only thing they do well absolutely yeah. And your Spider-Man games are pretty good. So keep yeah. moving the PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't understand this, but we'll see. I think yeah. I, I don't have high hopes. If you're happy to apologize because this movie is much better than you thought it was going to be or that it's even good, I will eat my hat. I just don't think it's going to. Which hat? No... Which hat are you going to eat? Uh, well, Can we get to pick? Probably one of my Utah ones because I've got a few Utah hats. But, okay. Uh, are you gonna put? Are you gonna put ketchup on it? I'll tell you what. I'll put the Foo Fighters one up. Ooh, uh, that's how confident I You're am. You're gonna eat the foo? I'll eat the foo if this is if this is good. That's okay. how confident I am that this is gonna I'll be. A well, food. I'll let everybody know because I can't give it like a grade. I can't review it. But if all of a sudden you guys see a hot pocket go up um, we'll on go. my that's on like my socials. Then you'll, know, then you'll know what's going on. If you see a hat go up, get ready, Jake. All right. All right. <laughs> well, there you have it. There's our review of Holdovers. If you haven't seen this because it wasn't one of the big movies, um, it's I think it's on uh, Peacock right now. You can watch mm-hmm. it. Um, we got to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to grade We're yeah. out of this. I'm, I, uh, all right. Tracy, we'll start with you. <laughs> Uh, when I first saw it in the theater, I was completely surprised by it. I didn't know much about it, and I didn't necessarily think that I was going to love it. Um, at the time, I gave it an A minus. After rewatching today, I'll watch this again. Um, I think my grade was a little low. I'm going to go A. I don't really see fault in this movie. It's a solid A for me, and it's an A for me too. So it's a triple A rated. It's our first 2024 triple A. That's it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, I wish I had confetti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, with any AAA rated movie, once we review it and we give it a AAA grade, any of the filmmakers, actors, whatever, are welcome on the show anytime. Any. To- 
anytime. Yep. Uh, if we give you all Fs, you're so also still welcome to come. That's fine. <laughs> but um, anyway, thank you so much for listening, for watching. We appreciate your support. Uh, we've got some fun stuff coming up. Um, and uh, until next time, we won't see you at the movies. Bye. Bye. <laughs>